It was eight days ago that the build-up for the World Cup finals began in earnest. And it was eight days ago that the final pieces began to make their move across the board. When it was all said and done, we were left with these few remaining hours before the final between France and Croatia kicks off. These are just a few of my notes from eight days ago until this afternoon. And I look forward to joining you again during and after tomorrow's final. Please leave me any comments if I happen to miss something that you felt was important enough to be included. I'm sure I can find a way to fix it. Thanks for listening to my recap of the last eight days leading up to the World Cup final. You're joining Storytelling with Seth. If I'm going to be 100% honest, and I believe using the word honest requires you to be 100% in what you're saying, I would say this all actually started last week. Um... I was lucky enough to work a half day and caught part of the France-Uruguay game on my phone with the app on for Fox Sports 1, the screen covered, and my headphones in so that I could at least hear what was going on. And then later, the uh, victory by Belgium over Brazil was something that I was able to experience once I got home. In both cases, it felt that I was not able to give the kind of attention to those games that I was earlier in the cup, when it seemed like there were so many more games, but that the times fit my life or schedule either better or easier, or for whatever reason, didn't have the conflict that I was now facing. But I made it through that Friday, and then into Saturday, which was a non-working day and a chance to catch both games. It felt to me like the events leading up to the final were moving faster and faster than I could anticipate. And where I had been able, up until this point, to catch most of the games I wanted relatively quickly or in the time that I was hoping to, I was finding myself with some struggles when it came to catching the games or going to work. I'm wondering how many other people had the same problem. There was only one game that actually stuck out for me from Saturday's action. For some reason, the Sweden-England game um, didn't have the sort of intensity or risk or tension that I might have expected from, uh, well, from both teams, but also for a game that was a knockout game that meant advancement, especially at a stage that both teams had worked so hard to reach. But Sweden didn't seem to have the same 
momentum that they had when they were working their way through the group stages and up to this contest against England. There were a lot of opportunities for them to take advantage of moments when England was not as sharp as they could have been. And in those moments, it seemed that Sweden either didn't want to or didn't have the energy to take advantage and to capitalize with goal scoring or even to create situations in which goals could be scored. The momentum stayed with England, who were patient and methodical and utilized their crisp, clean passing, which has become one of their signatures over the many decades of their time appearing in the Cup. The game where I did focus my attention was Croatia and Russia. There were many factors going into this game that made it an excellent opportunity to reflect back on what I'd been saying in a previous podcast about expectation and reality and the results that it had brought about for both uh, Messi and Ronaldo. But it also was going to be the chance to have some questions answered. Russia had achieved a series of improbable wins. And with each one, the possibility that the host nation sort of blessing or gift was in their favor. And the possibility of their defeating Croatia and advancing into the semifinals was one that was extremely compelling. If only because their opponent, Croatia, in many ways had started out with such a bang, with such a group stage performance that demonstrated that they were here to make a strong run and to prove the value of their team was as equal, if not better, than anyone that they were going to face. But there had been a bit of a lapse in their momentum over their last two games, and despite their ability to achieve wins, it didn't feel that that same sort of focus and determination that had been so evident in the group stages was something that they could sustain. And facing Russia's home advantage as the host might be just enough luck to defeat Croatia's so far impressive determination, but now that it was lapsing, it might not be enough to beat the, uh, the luck of Russia as the host. After all the anticipation, excitement, and build-up, when the game between Croatia and Russia was in full swing and about 30 minutes underway, it soon became evident that Russia was not going to press the attack like might be expected, given the uh, recent lapses that had been seen from Croatia, but that given how strong Croatia appeared in this game, their passing, their movement, their ability to create situations and opportunities in front of the goal, had caused Russia to revert to a stance that was identical to the position they took up against Spain. In that case, 
as we saw in the Croatia game. Russia was patient, willing to employ sound defense and good defensive structure to prevent Croatia from having clean opportunities by not overreacting, by not looking for opportunities of their own. Russia was willing to play a patience game to either work at chipping into any mistakes that Croatia might provide and also to allow Croatia to do a lot of the work and see if there was an opportunity either later down the line or, as they had done against Spain, to simply hold on until penalty kicks and see if the odds once again fell in their favor. The strategy continued through regular time and through both of the extended times. And by then, Russia found itself in the familiar situation of penalty kicks. It was tense and it was tension-filled, but the kicks ended this time in Croatia's favor, and despite Russia taking advantage of its strengths and relying on statistics and other factors to see if they could achieve a win like they had so far, we're forced to take the role that almost all host countries eventually do, and that is to be thankful for the opportunity to show their best in front of their country, and to step away, celebrate, and join the crowd of spectators, like all the other teams that have been eliminated, to see who would be in the final game, and to cheer on personal favorites, or perhaps even against teams that they simply did not want to win. I was surprised that Russia's strategy allowed them to get as far as they did, and yet it was an interesting matchup given so much expectation and anticipation leading into the game for it to have so many climactic moments that didn't reach a fruitful realization, but eventually led to a thrilling victory. And an opportunity for even more excitement and anticipation as we led into the next rounds. On Tuesday, I was once again at work for the France-Belgium game. Dutifully, I plugged in my headphones, attached and connected to my phone loaded the app, and covered the screen. It was kind of nice this time around, because I knew what to expect. It wasn't a half day, I wasn't rushing home to catch the end of the next game. I would be at work the entire time that the France-Belgium game played, and I would be at work long after it was over. And knowing that, I was thankful for the brief respite in my ears of... World Cup soccer action that, while I couldn't see, I could visualize. And yes, if there was a scoring moment, as France created twice in their 2-0 victory over Belgium, I could quickly remove the cover from the screen of my phone and review the replay 
cover the screen again and return back to work. It's something I used to enjoy when I was younger and the thrill of watching a game on TV, whether it was baseball, football, or soccer, was overridden by a desire to do another activity while listening to sports on the radio. It allowed my imagination to create the images in my mind and my hands and body to stay busy with other tasks. And this was a nice homecoming to that sort of memory and sensory experience and by the time the game was done I was able to reflect for a short period and then eventually the scheduling and deadlines of the workday took over and it was just another memory that I would reflect upon again after work and again when I got the chance to listen to the Croatia-England game on Wednesday. I don't know how many people were expecting or anticipating that England would defeat Croatia, but you can probably count me among them and just take that number and plus it by one. I had been very impressed by England up to this point. Except for maybe one match where it seemed that their talent was more the factor in a win than their drive or uh, productivity. Croatia, in my opinion, had squeaked by. Not only in the match before, but in their match against Russia. And for all that squeaking and their ability to just get through, in order to defeat England, they would have to do more than just enough. England was methodical. Precision-based passing, they were very effective. And their leader, Mr. Kane, had been phenomenal. In every opportunity, especially when set pieces were created. These factors alone said to me that Croatia had had a wonderful, thrilling, and exciting run, but that this would be something of a... Not even an easy victory, but an eventual victory. And I would not have been so... Bold is to call it a coronation, but I'm sure there are those who believe that there was simply no way that the two teams were equally matched in talent, skill, or experience, and that in the end, England's majority of those qualities would lead to their victory. And that's probably the sound that best fits what happened after two halves and the extension of added time. Because that was where Croatia showed its medal and exploited a breakdown, one of which 
well, one of many of which had been witnessed leading up to this game, and even in this game. And it was a breakdown in England's defense that one chip pass provided to one watchful and conscientious attacking player slipped between depending on your opinion a very small or a very big hole in the defense that was slotted through uh, by the Croatian player for a goal and that was the end of it you could see the anguished and the the sense of despair on the face of England they had been brought to this point and despite their best efforts this one hole that they'd left open had now been used to take them down Croatia held on for those remaining seconds that stretched for minutes and depending on which side you were on or how close to the game you were might have felt like hours and when it was over Croatia advanced with a determination to play on Sunday against France. And England had the unfortunate role of playing for third place on Saturday against Belgium. There were two different goals in today's game between Belgium and England. The purpose of the game was to determine a third place finisher in the World Cup. First and second will be decided in tomorrow's game between France and Croatia. But the teams that did not advance to that game play for third place today. And England and Belgium came into the game again, with different goals and how they were going to achieve them. Belgium was committed and determined. They had not had a strong showing against France, and it looked as though they were trying to have a strong finish and claim the third-place game so that they could end the cup on a higher note than just a simple uh, defeat to France would have ended things. England might have had a similar desire, but it wasn't evident in their play or their appearance. Whether it was motivation or fatigue, the elements that brought them this far were no longer clear. And were no longer on display in their passing, uh, goal-scoring opportunity creation, or in their desire to match whatever Belgium was putting on the pitch. It wasn't a surprise for Belgium to take a strong 1-0 lead. Which meant it was even less surprising when that lead grew to 2-0. to zero. By then, the fatigue, the lack of desire was evident on all of England's players. 
And it was almost a relief for me as a viewer, as it must have been for English fans and the players on the England national team when the final whistle blew and the game and the World Cup tournament for these two teams was over. England was a bright spark in the tournament and provided a bright spark uh, for a country that has admitted that it is currently dealing with darker times than it would like. If they can maintain that same energy, if their countrymen can welcome them home with the support that they gave them as they strove to reach the finals, then the future of the English national team uh, looks very positive. If for some reason that isn't what their return is like, then this will be a moment that will haunt England. And if they allow it to do that, then this might be the brightest English team we will see for quite some time. I know they hold their future in their hands, and that's why I believe that given the positive influence they provided through so many games, England's going to keep looking to them to provide that in other international friendlies and moving ahead into other tournaments. And if they can provide that for their team, I think this young English team can respond and will continue to be a bright light that can guide England as it continues working out national issues. For Belgium, their goal was to finish with third place, to end the cup in a positive way that looked toward the future. They accomplished that goal, and with their heads held high, they can begin making their next four-year plan. It's always a pleasure to share a few moments of storytelling with you and to know that you're sharing it with me. I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, and feedback uh, in the best way that you feel most comfortable. Choose your favorite platform and let me know if I'm not on the platform that you prefer. You can always leave me a message using the voice system here on Anchor or contact me by sending a simple email to sethsingleton at gmail.com. Just my full name at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking, ways I can improve subjects I should consider covering, or any other suggestions, thoughts, comments, or critiques you might want to offer. It's really a pleasure to provide something that you want to listen to, and making it better is one of my favorite things to do. Look forward to talking with you soon.